Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Psalm 133, verses 1, 2, and 3. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there Our God ordained a blessing, life forevermore.
I'll be never lose your sense of wonder Get your fill to eat but always keep that hunger May you never take one single breath for granted God forbid love ever leave you Hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens Promise me that you'll give faith a fine chance When you get the choice to sit it out or dance I hope you Never fear those mountains in the distance Never settle for the path of least resistance Living might mean taking chances but they're worth taking Nothing might be a mistake but it's worth making Don't let some no-bit lead you better When you come close to selling out Hear the heavens above more than just a passing land When you get the choice to sit it out or dance I hope you dance I hope you dance I hope you Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. That's Psalm 133, 1. What does it take to dwell together in unity? The first thing I think is to be utterly present, to be tuned in to those with whom you want to dwell in unity. A couple of months ago, Ruth and I met Connie and Judy out in the Delta to look at birds. We were especially interested in seeing the sandhill cranes that were wintering there, but, we, but there were lots of other birds as well. 
An extra special treat was watching a murmuration of a mixed flock of thousands of red-winged and yellow-headed blackbirds. I'm guessing that many of you have watched murmurations of starlings on YouTube videos, but for those of you who are not familiar with murmurations, let me explain. A murmuration is a big flock of birds, often starlings, that fly closely together and make seemingly simultaneous turns and twists. It's an amazing sight. It's thought that they're doing this in order to evade predators like hawks and falcons. In recent years, there's been a lot of research and speculation about how they do this, this this amazing coordinated flying. Back in the 1930s, some scientists speculated that birds had psychic powers that enabled them to fly in such close coordination. But recent research seems to reveal that each bird keys on his his or her movement on the nearest seven or eight birds in the flock. This translates to the translates through the flock to create amazing displays in the sky. They're experts at paying attention. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. What kind of concentration and attention does it take for these birds to respond almost instantly to the movements of the other birds around them? In some of the movies of the 30s and 40s, we were treated to the dancing of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Fred Astaire often got more attention, but others pointed out that Ginger Rogers had to do everything he did, backwards and in high heels. What kind of attention does it take when one has to follow Fred Astaire? How very good and pleasant it is when kindred dance together in unity. Paying attention, I think that's the key. I must have been 12 or 13 when one day early in June, Uncle Everett sent me out to cultivate corn in a field up on the North Farm. Now remember, this was more than 60 years ago and the cultivator that was hitched to the old Ferguson tractor could do just three rows at a time. The trick is, Uncle Everett said, is to pay attention all the time so that the teeth of the cultivator stay between the rows and take out the weeds, but not the corn. To help me out, he had screwed an old car radio antenna to the right-hand side of the front axle of the tractor so that it looked like the front sight of a rifle. He said, just keep that sight lined up on the row and you'll be fine. It seemed simple enough. He dropped me off at the end of the field up at the North Farm and drove off. The tractor and the cultivator were sitting where he'd left them off the day before. I climbed up on the tractor and started it up, but put it in a low gear and eased out the clutch. The little sight that he had bolted to the axle was right over the row of little six-inch corn plants. It was easy to keep it lined up. I watched the little corn plants as they marched under the sight of the front axle. After a few minutes, I looked back over my shoulder to see if the blades of the cultivator were between the rows as they were supposed to be. They looked perfect. 
I watched them for a couple of minutes, taking pride in my skill. But after a minute or so, I noticed that the cultivator teeth were not staying as perfectly between the rows of little corn plants as they had been. I whipped my head around to the front to discover that the little sight had wandered off to the right about six inches. I quickly turned the wheel to the left and overcorrected until I found myself off the line to the left. By the time I got lined up and was watching the little miniature corn stalks march under the sight of the axle again, I'd taken out about 20 feet of corn plants. I say up about because I didn't dare look back to check. I kept my eyes glued to the site, watching the little corn plants marching perfectly under the little site. After about 10 minutes or so, I started to wonder how long it might take me to do the whole field. I was halfway across the field and I glanced at my watch and figured that it would take about 12 minutes to make one pass across the field. So I started counting the remaining rows to my right till I got to about 30 and remembered to look back at the little site. I'd wandered off to the left about eight inches. I quickly adjusted until the little site was perfectly aligned over the row of corn. I didn't know how long I'd been ripping out rows of corn, but I resolved to pay perfect attention from then on. Some of you may be ahead of me already. What happens when you give your full attention to little corn plants coming under the sight of the front axle one at a time with perfect regularity? Of course, you fall asleep. And what happens when you fall asleep at the wheel of a tractor while cultivating corn? Pretty soon you are eliminating the corn from a patch of weeds. Pay att paying attention is not as easy as we might think. But it's essential to cultivating corn, ballroom dancing, flying with a flock of birds, and dwelling together in unity. I had not heard of meditation at that point in my life, but it was my first experience of the challenge of keeping my mind in the present moment. Being able to pay attention to the present moment is an essential skill for dwelling together in unity. But recently I've been becoming more aware of how just paying attention to the closest seven or eight members of the flock is not enough. Dwelling together in unity re requires paying attention to those around you with the same kind of focus that a starling in a flock or Ginger Rogers has. It requires not dwelling on past resentments or regrets. It requires not fantasizing or worrying about the future. It requires keeping your attention in the present moment and giving that attention to the other person and to the situation you are in together. But the kind of attention we need is not just on our dance partner or the seven or eight people closest to us, our attention needs a broader range. Every year in the first part of December, I go through my checkbook and credit card bills and the file folder marked contributions to see if I have given to the causes and organizations I intended to support. 
I make sure my pledge to the church is up to date, and the other things I give to have been done. It's also time to think about what's important to me and what I want to support. But this year, as I was doing that little exercise, I started thinking about how this year was different. Retired people are often considered vulnerable because we are on a fixed income. But as it turned out, this was a good year to be on a fixed income. Many people whose incomes were not fixed now had no income at all. Not only that, when I looked at my credit card bills and my checkbook, I found that we were spending less money this year. That coupled with the effect of the rising stock market on our retirement funds meant that it looked like we might end up the year better off than when we started. Then, to top it off, we received a stimulus check in the mail. I suddenly started to feel like I was on the wrong side of some divide. There were people who were hungry and in danger of losing their housing, and I was getting richer. That put my year-end reckoning of my contributions in a new light, and I set about to figure out what it would take to set it right. I needed to broaden my attention to the present moment, the present moment of history that I found myself in. I needed to reassess the range of people with whom I dwelt in unity. Over the next few weeks, I was excited to share my insight with about a dozen friends who I thought would find themselves in similar circumstances. I was taken aback by mostly being met with an uncomfortable silence. It was then that I started to realize the deep cultural bias we have in favor of taking care of ourselves at the expense of others, of defining unity narrowly. Community has its limits, even for generous liberal folks. Attention was not focused on the reality of the present, but on some past sense of entitlement or future fear that we might not have enough. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. In a murmuration of blackbirds or starlings, those members of the flock that become separated from the flock often fall to the birds of prey. If I watch those who live next door to me my flock is not big enough. We're blessed with some folks at Epworth who've been helping us to broaden our attention to what is happening in this moment of history beyond our little flock or favorite dance partners. Some of us have taken up an opportunity offered by Diane Rush Woods to look into the lives of black people who have been killed by police. She did this exercise first with a class she was teaching at Cal State East Bay and now is offering it to Epworth folk. The task is to choose one black person who's been killed by police and learn as much about him or her as possible. Not just how they died, but who they were and what their life was about. The news reports are often full of the circumstances of their death, but lack much about the details of their lives. These were people, not statistics. It is a way of manifesting our belief that black lives matter even more than black deaths. This is an exercise in paying attention 
and broadening the scope of our attention. It has been a powerful and eye-opening experience. The second part of our assignment is to create a work of art or a piece of writing to express what we have found. The results will appear in the windows outside the church office on Hopkins Street over the next few weeks. Along with this, there is an invitation for any of you to join this process. I urge you to contact Diane for a list of people to choose from and for the guidelines for the project. Paying attention to black lives. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Some of us have been staying in touch with Epworth member Amelia Chua while she has been in Thailand taking care of her father over the past few months. In addition to the challenges she faces there, Amelia has been helping coordinate a project here on the West Coast to address the problem of anti-Asian violence. She's helping us be present to this situation in our midst. I have to admit that violence and prejudice against Asian American people was pretty much off my radar until Amelia opened my eyes. Because Amelia was part of a group I led for Lent last year, she became part of my flock in a new and formative way. Those of us who have continued on this journey have our attention broadened. The flock we fly with has gotten bigger. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Most of us are pretty good with flying with attention to the seven or eight people closest to us. Some of us are good dancers, but the additional task of I'm offering today is to reach beyond the easy and close at hand companions, not to be distracted from giving our very present attention to more distant companions. We can't fly or dance together if we don't pay attention. And paying attention takes practice and expanding our vision. Amen.
listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Every time I feel a spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel a spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Upon the mountain, my Lord spoke. Out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Jordan River, chilly and cold. Chilly the body, but not the soul. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. All around me looks so shine. Ask me, Lord, if all was mine. But one train run this track It runs to heaven and runs right back Oh, every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I will pray Every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I